Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Andrew Ward, Harry Griffiths, who are both the founding directors of Digital Waffle. Digital Waffle partner with consultancies, agencies, corporates and scale-ups to hire technology and digital minds to grow their businesses. They both founded the company in 2018 after both working with one another in a previous company. And for the last four years, they've been really focused on building a recruitment consultancy that can challenge and break the mold of traditional recruitment agencies. They currently have 11 people in the business, uh, but due to continued success over the last 12 to 18 months, they have big plans to continue to grow the business and take it to the next level. Andrew Harry, welcome to uh, the podcast. Thanks for joining me. All right, Hisham, nice to see you as well, mate. Cheers, Hisham. Awesome. So where we always like to start on this podcast is... Uh, the, the million pound question. So, so Harry, I'm going to come to you first on that. Okay. So what, what I'd just love to hear from you and, and your perspective on is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you believe make up a highly successful recruitment consultant in today's market? Personally, for me, I, I always just relate back to, um, to sport, really, to honest with you, with my okay. background. It's always about resiliency. It's always about taking knocks and moving forward. And yeah, just being, being very, being very self-aware that you're not going to be an expert in what you're doing. And at the same time, you're always going to be learning. Like you'll see a sportsman will, will train every single day because they're not the perfect athlete. And the same, same thing with recruit, recruitment consultants. You, you need to you need to always be on the ball, always need to be a bit of a student of the game. But with that as well, on the, on the flip side comes the resiliency aspect because it's a bloody roller coaster, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. Nothing's ever straightforward. You can't say to me that, you can plan what your month's going to be like at, on the 30th of October. You can't say to me what you're going to be doing on the 10th of November because things will change drastically and rapidly and you need to kind of be battle-hardened in a way. That's why I always find like when we look at like rookie consultants, if they've come from a, a sports background, they've kind of got a good basis of bounce back ability, I call it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a finite thing though, isn't it? Because at the, sa- at the same time, People have got to have that intrinsic motivation to like. No one goes into recruitment thinking they want they want to. They've always wanted to be a recruiter. People go into recruitment thinking they want to make money. And if they've got mm. that, if they've got that intrinsic motivation to be able to want to, yeah, give themselves the opportunity to, to have a better life, then that's gonna gonna come through in their work and, and what they do. Because not not everyone can be a top biller, but you can be a very good biller. You can be a consistent biller. It doesn't mean you have to be a four or five hundred thousand pound a year biller. You can be hundred, two hundred thousand. And to me, those people are probably the more valuable people in a company than than that one top biller. But uh, yeah, I think it comes down to ultimately resiliency and also the hunger to continue to want to learn and and and, and further yourself. Yeah, I love it. But you're never the finished article. Mm. Andrew, what about you? What what comes up for you, mate? when we think about this? Uh, yeah, I agree with Harry there. I think I've worked with, it's funny, isn't it? I've worked with billers, top billers for a number of years. That when you first meet them, you think you're the least salesy person I've ever known. <laughs> you kind of get a very yeah warped sense of what the ideal recruiter should be sometimes when you when you walk down the road and see a free piece and someone yeah chatting to anyone left, right and center. You have to be a people person. Ultimately, you have to get clients to buy into you. And that's by being yourself. You don't have to be salesy. You don't have to be anything special in that respect. But if you are, if you're motivated in making people like you and actually get on with you, then you'll have clients for life. You will have clients that will keep coming back to you. Uh, And yeah, the next part, you have to obviously be competitive, whether that's externally or just internally and challenging yourself. But I think, yeah, being a people person and sort of being yeah, being a born winner, um, or sort of someone that yeah just wants to wants to sort of do a really good job and get that job completed to the best of their ability. For me, th- those two traits uh, are always what I look for in, in recruitment and and fit, see the sort of yeah the top billers. They might be the most salesy or the least salesy, but they've always got those things in common. Yeah, sure. So obviously, what what we're going to really go into today is sort of really focus on on the last four years. But just before we do that, and really focus on your yeah, both your sort of own business journey. But before we do that, Andrew, if we were to look at, obviously, you worked for from from what I can see two companies, right, both sort of long stints there, 
uh, looks like you sort of managed to like really maximize your opportunities there went from like consultant to manager or director if we were to sort of look back on that period what would you say would be some of the key things that you learned during that period do you think I know there's probably loads of things but if we were to look back at that before we go into the business owner journey what what do you think you really took from those experiences that you think has really helped you have the best possible chance of building success at Digital Wolf on your own company do you think? I think the best builders don't always make the best managers um, that's one thing I, I learned pretty early on and I think like I yeah, didn't go into management straight away and, and really enjoyed just being a good biller, just making good money. Ultimately, then sort of when, when the opportunity arose, I'd kind of seen that actually, yeah, that some of the top guys, the top billers that I'd worked with had sort of been almost pushed into management and it doesn't always work. I think sometimes if you've got, if you've got a good guy making you good money, just let them crack on. They don't need uh, extra responsibilities. And I think in recruitment, it is sometimes a bit of snobbery around like just being a top biller. What, what do you do for a living? I'm a recruitment consultant um, rather than, oh, I'm a manager at X recruitment consultancy or I'm a director. And actually the recruitment consultant who's a top biller will earn more than the other two. Yeah, for, for me, I learned that very early on. Uh, and yeah, when I look back at it, you, you kind of, you, you realize that actually, yeah, people come and go so quickly in recruitment that, yeah, you're right. I've only worked for two businesses and sort of both both relatively long stints. Uh, and you look at it and you sort of see people come and go very, very quickly. Uh, and that you, you kind of take from that that actually the, the guys that stick around, um, regardless whether they've hit the ground running and doing deals off the bat, quite often it might just through having a bit of time, actually getting a bit more of experience, you, you see that they come good. And if they're given the right sort of training or the right responsibilities or the right patch, then quite often they become very good billers. Um, and like Harry said, yeah, one to 200 grand biller. If you have yeah 10 of those in your team, you'd much rather than that than yeah one guy who's doing 500 grand. Um, so, so yeah, there are a couple of things there that really I've taken, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I could probably talk for hours of things that I have either learned or uh, yeah, ballsed up along the way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. No worries. Okay. What, what about you then, Harry? Obviously, le- less time working for other companies, but what comes up for you when you think the, th- the important lessons that you sort of probably took into the last four years, do you think? It's one of those where um, I, I came from, went to recruitment and very quickly ended up in, a, in a, one of the pirates companies in one of the RDLC companies. And they've got a set way of working, don't they? Where they kind of squeeze you for what you're worth. They try and get every single last penny out of you. And don't get me wrong, like if you can get through that training, they, they create some really good, good consultants because you learn like the fundamentals of how to make money in recruitment quite quickly uh, within the first six to 12 months. But there's a certain point where you learn like, okay, I've got this, like this framework of how to do, how, how to win business and how to work as a recruitment consultant. And it's just a, a much better way of doing it really. Okay. So for you, it's more about learn how, how to do it in a different way, basically. Yeah, because obviously Wardy, Wardy or Andrew, in comparison to me, has got so much more experience than I than I did. Obviously, I came into owning a recruiting business after I think I was in recruitment for maybe four years total, and obviously I didn't have as many battle wins as Wardy had over over the yeah, 10, yeah. 12, 10, 12 years of worth of experience. And like I've been learning as I've gone over the past three and a half years about being a business owner and being a manager because I wasn't even a manager in my, in my last business, like last couple of businesses. So it's, uh, yeah, been a bit of a while. You've been learning a lot then. Yeah. Let's get into this then. Harry, how did you guys, so obviously you guys both worked at Talent. So is that where you met? Yeah, uh, kind of, kind of weird, weird one really. Uh, Ward, Ward, um, Wardy went to interview me for a, uh, a my first two fair my first manager's job as like right. a uh, an open source development manager, and we we're chatting in this bar. Turns out we live two doors away from each other, like two roads away from each other in this right. random in a random area of Birmingham. Never met before. Get an Uber home together. Wardy gives me the offer in the Uber. And then, uh, and then, and then, literally two months later, unfortunately, Wardy gets made redundant, and uh, we go for a pint in a pub on a Sunday. And I tell him about digital waffle, basically, and my idea that I had, uh, but I never had the balls to do but on my own, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a bit, bit of a leap of faith, but I thought, um, yeah, the relationship that we had off that a very short amount of time and knowing each other was very good, though. 
Yeah, yeah. So, Andrew, what what gave you? So, obviously, as Harry just shared there, like, what what gave you the confidence to take? Because as Harry just said there, a lot of people, and I'm sure you've been down the pub and having those conversations, right? Say, oh, like, I'm going to start my own recruitment company one day, etc. But not 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 many people actually go and do it and take that first step. What what gave you the confidence to take that that leap with Harry? Yeah, good question, eh? Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I asked myself. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, when when I finished up at Talent, there were options of, yeah, do, do you set something up yourself? Do you find another role similar? Um, yeah, X, Y, Z. Um, uh, and you look at the sort of, yeah, setting up a business and you, you sort of then think, well, yeah, do I do it on my own? Or, yeah, it's nice to sort of actually rub off someone. Uh, and there's plenty of seniors I've worked with in the past that, like Harry said, maybe had more battle wounds or maybe had more um, management experience than him. But I think you, in recruitment, you you see someone that's is bloody good at it. Uh, and that's enough to think actually yeah regardless of the the management stuff and the sort of background in that respect he's just bloody good at recruitment Uh, and i think that when when we actually got got speaking we very quickly um could see that actually we're on the same yeah the same sort of uh mind space that we knew what we wanted from a business what we didn't want how we wanted to grow a business what sort of uh, culture we didn't want as well and we'd worked with maybe similar companies when we first got into it where you're really made to pound the phones really worked hard and sort of under yeah you understand kpi driven environments and we kind of don't get me wrong that set us both up very well in recruitment but we both knew what we wanted from digital waffle so just actually having a chat and having a beer we soon realized that we were very much on the same page and i think regardless of anything else in business if yeah, people sometimes say you need someone that's opposite to you or sort of someone that you really like conflict with and stuff like this. But I think actually you need the fundamentals on the same page to be able to grow something and really make it a success. That was ultimately why why we did it. And I think, yeah, when, when we had that chat, it was very quickly sort of clear to both of us, actually, we, we could make it work. So, so Harry, what was what was the picture then that you sold to Andrew then or spoke to Andrew about in terms of how you want it to be different, what you didn't want it to be? Because most most recruitment companies, if if they go out and start on their own, they will say we're going to be different on this. Like it's, it's a very common thing, right? But like, what? Just just curious, like what what was different to you, and how did you sort of think about that? I think majority of recruitment consultants end up resenting the people they work for. <laughs> okay, because you, you kind of get you you're a good bidder. You get you kind of get stuck because the clients work with covenants, etc. I always say it to Wardy, and I always say it to the guys that we hire. We want this to be a place where people want to work, and where where where. But conversely, where me and Wardy actually would want to work if we were both consultants, uh, and that's from from me. Don't get me wrong; like I could spiel about yeah, we've been di- we're different for our clients, which obviously we can go on a bit later how we are a bit different for our clients and stuff like that, but. If your if your if your consultants and your employees just aren't happy and aren't bought into what you're about, then it, do, it doesn't get off the ground, does it really? And and for, for me, that was like I said to Wardy, I went look like I don't want to work in a KPI driven environment environment anymore. And likewise, I'm sure there's loads of experienced consultants as well who who don't ever want to have look at have to look at a, a sales board again or a, yeah or a, or do a, or do a nine o'clock. Monday morning meeting or lunchtime, like after lunchtime meetings, it's just all that all that extra fat around doing a job. Like you yeah. don't need, you you really don't need that. That's kind of what I said. Like I think I think it is anyway, Wardy. I think that's how we we kind of kind of spoke about it. Really, we're, we're just like surely there's a better way. There's a better way of running a business and being a bit being a bit leaner in terms of our approach to actually r- running it on a day to day basis. Yeah, it's just crazy, right? Because like. It seems pretty straightforward and obvious, right? But like, it's crazy how recruitment companies maybe have lost sight of that or haven't committed to actually creating an environment that they would want to work in and, and obviously can get lost in that path of like just looking at the numbers and if people were hitting certain numbers and all of that, right? What I was just interested to, to find out then, so just on your point, Andrew, so I think what what's come up in some of these conversations with recruitment owners that have started with one other person is just the importance of communication between the both of you in terms of like how you might have been on the same page at the beginning, but obviously things change over time, right? So what's been your journey in making sure that you both sort of see where the business is aligned and you're on the same page? Because clearly at the start, you was on the same page. 
But how have you sort of been intentional around that, Andrew, in your in your experience in making sure that you and Harry are aligned, you know where you're going? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle, and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. We implemented Vincherry right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we used was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincherry as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincherry over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincherry is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating system, not just a CRM, is it? It's a whole point. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. Yeah, ultimately it it changes, doesn't it, as a company grows. I think when we first set the business up, we were thinking, well, look, we'll, yeah, we'll do it out of our our spare bedrooms. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll sort of, yeah, this is what we want to do for year one, um, X amount. And yeah, we'll, we'll go from there really. And after I think two months, we'd hit that target and we were like, okay, bloody hell, we need to make some decisions here of what we actually want from the business. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here in 12 months um, pretty bored because we've just completed our goal. Um, so <laughs> I think we, whenever we're sort of talking about sort of whether it's new hires or whether it's new software or whether it's new solutions for businesses, it is it is just an open chat, and I think we're we're not afraid to say say no. That's a crap idea to each other, uh, and I think that's important. But ultimately, we we both see that. Hang on, if some if one of us has got a passion for it, then you need to flex. And I think that there's been times definitely where one of us has said, "Well, actually, you know, I really think this is good good idea. Let's roll with this." Um, the other one's maybe been a bit unsure and sort of we've had to really talk it through. But ultimately, we know that most of the decisions we make aren't going to kill the business. Or maybe maybe just going to have, uh, yeah, if it works, it's like rolling the dice. If it works, it, it comes off. And I think sometimes we, we've, we haven't been afraid to do that. Uh, and we've offered solutions to clients that maybe to start with, we've been thinking, well, this is a bit out there, like other people aren't doing this, but then actually when it, when it's come a, come across or when it's actually then when we've put it together, it, it's really worked for, for businesses and it's really worked for us. And I think that's the same with, yeah, whether it's the hiring model or whether it's the sort of, yeah, the, the sort of general direction of the business in terms of markets that we're doing or, or the businesses that we're working with. That's always been a common goal um, to actually, yeah, thrash it out as it were. And if someone's that passionate about it, then yeah, backing them really, because ultimately, yeah, if, if you always say no in, in business, you, you're not really going to do anything different. Uh, and that's important um, because, yeah, we're not afraid to take a risk if it is is potentially going to pay off or get us ahead of the game. But ultimately, it's got to be one that we're both happy with. Yeah. Just on that really quickly, clearly there'll be certain scenarios where you put your heads together and make a decision. But how intentional have you been to make sure that like, yeah, you're both thinking about the future of the business the same way, which it seems like you've been pretty aligned to remain that. But like, I don't know, every quarter do you meet up? Every month do you sit down with one another and go, this is what we fit? Like, I don't know, how, how intentional have you been about it or have you not? It's quite funny, isn't it, Wardy? Because uh, we, we've we literally, we were in business for probably like three years and we're like, oh, shit, like, should we have a shareholders agreement? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, like life insurance and uh, all these yeah, other things. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. Maybe we need that if, if we ever don't agree on anything and there's anything major that we need to sort out. <laughs> fair enough. So, mate, it hasn't happened. Okay, fair enough then. So, Harry, what about um, how have you guys worked out who's better at what? Because I think that's another part of this sort of journey is like understanding. Because I, I don't know if this may have happened at the beginning. You might, as you said, both like, right, let's get some money in the bank, let's do some deals, let's get us off to a good start. So you're just doing both doing whatever. But as, as the business evolves, there's more people involved, there's different decisions to be had, different responsibilities. How have you sort of worked out who does what and who's better at what? 
out of interest? Uh, well, I think Wardy's laughing here because he knows that I'm I'm a HR time bomb basically. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of the, it's one of those things. So Wardy is obviously with with his background and obviously being a manager for so so many more years and trained yeah. in doing it as well. He does have that operational mindset and that HR mindset, which okay. I, I, so I'm did you happy know to, that quite early on then? Did you yeah, know that quite I, early I, on? I'm happy to admit like I'm a bit more rogue than, than Wardy is okay, when, it comes to, when it comes to day-to-day life and day-to-day work, working life. Yeah. But yeah, like very quickly, like once it became apparent that it wasn't just going to be us two, Wardy has taken on, obviously along with our accountants, the lion's share of the HR operational day-to-day running of the business. Where, see, so yeah, I suppose if anyone's got a question in the team about sales or um, actually doing actually business, they come to, they come to me. I'm very, very uh, honest about the, the fact that, that I have serious limitations on that side. Maybe I need to learn them, but obviously whilst I've got Wardy around, it's one of those, it's one of those where he's kind of like my shepherd and he'll, he'll rein me back in when I need to be reined back in basically. Yeah. That's great that you know that, right? Cause some like, okay. So there's a few things I really want to go into then, but I guess just to just tie, tie this up in terms of just so far how you're talking about it. Andrew, if like you could sort of know what you know now so far on this sort of journey of, of growing this business, what advice would you give yourself if you're just starting out with Harry? And then like, Harry asked the same question. So like if like knowing what you know now, what would you maybe do differently or what advice would you give yourself if you were to, to go on this digital waffle journey from the um, very beginning again? Yeah, I, f- I think initially we we got a bit giddy because we were hitting very good figures very early on. Um, and I look at sort of some of the months we did first, second, third month, for example, just mad, mad business. And we, we kind of then thought we've got to grow this. We've got to grow. Like we, we need to hire. And that was just like a, a natural, almost like giddiness about having your own business and yeah, like yeah, yeah. money in the bank and everything else. Uh, and I think, we, we didn't really then have a clear direction of what, why do we need to grow? Who do we need to bring in? And it was kind of like just, yeah, let's go out to market and get a couple of people in. Um, uh, and then when they uh, they came in, bless them, like re- really nice guys that came in. But we just didn't have like the, the capacity ourselves to then, even though... Yeah. You just didn't give them a fair chance. No, exactly. I'll, even though I've probably trained bloody, yeah, 50, 60 people in my lifetime, it was kind of just one where... You, we're too excited about doing business for our own uh, own company, so we'd kind of brought them in, um, and it was it was quite apparent quite early on that they just weren't yeah getting a fair crack. So that would probably be my advice. And then sort of as we've progressed down that route, we've kind of realised actually like we we made a pretty decent decision to not hire if we if we think oh great we we're in a position to hire now, not just go out to market and make a hire. Um, actually just sit back and say, okay, if someone good comes along, then we're in a position to move on them. Uh, and that tends to be what we do now. And if five good people came along this week, we, we'd probably hire them. But at the same point, we're not in any desperate hurry just to hit a figure of getting to 15 or getting to 20 people. We're not not that way inclined now. So I think we've definitely learned from that. Yeah, yes, that's a great insight. Harry, what about you? What would you maybe say, say to yourself, do you think? Personally, like... Obviously, going off what Andy said there about the L&D side of things, we, yeah, we were massively underprepared for it. We, and looking looking back at it now, like the, the guys that we brought on and the girls that we brought on all worked their hardest and did their best and want for a better word, fed on, fed on their own sword or their own shield when, when yeah, they yeah. went out and when they tapped out. But uh, yeah, it's that L&D part, but also as well, for, from my perspective, I think you've got to have like like undeterred confidence about yourself um, because in that first six months, you are going to have covenants letters coming through. There's a couple of moments where I w- would rock up to Wardy's house with a legal letter in hand, shaking, <laughs> like, sh- sh- shaking like a leaf, being like, oh, the company's going to get taken down uh, and everything yeah, like yeah. that. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those where like looking back at it, I made it like my blood pressure mustn't have been good for the first six months. And uh, it's, uh, I, I would have, I probably would tell myself and look at myself like, yeah, you're not doing anything wrong. You just got to keep on crack, cracking yeah, and yeah. doing what you're doing opposed to absolutely checking every corner that you walk around um, and shitting yourself at every moment as well. Uh, I, I, I feel, I feel like if, if, if Wardy was to describe me in the first six months, he'll probably say very highly strung. Because really? I did, I, because I do, I did, I did, we did, we didn't want to fall foul of anything as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Just on that, really quickly. Don't I don't have to like. I don't want to go into the details of like what they're trying to say to you, or whatever. But the reason why I'm just curious and I just want to hear your answers because, yeah, I, I've spoken to a number of um, uh, young founders that maybe started their business in the last twelve months, and they do get those letters through the door. And you're exactly right, Harry. The people that I've spoken to have absolutely been shit in their pants, even though they know, looking in the mirror, they haven't done anything wrong, and they are they are playing it straight. So. Andrew, to you then, because you're probably the person that then kept the calm, cool, sort of collective head on your shoulders. Like what? So anyone that might be experiencing that right now, let's just say that they're not doing anything wrong. What would your like two pence be for them? Would it be make sure that you get the right legal advice? I don't know. What? What? How did you react to that? What would be your advice out of interest? Because I, I think that'd be helpful for people. Uh, you do need to get the right legal advice. I think you've got to remember that quite often in those situations, the only winners are the are the lawyers, though. So. <laughs> It is one of those where, yes, by all means, get good legal advice, but don't end up paying a fortune um, to defend yourself if you're sure that you're not doing anything wrong. Um, I think that's that's the bottom line. And I think businesses, some businesses anyway, are, are very quick just to send legal letters just to prevent you from yeah doing your job, basically. You're, you're a professional. You've got just to throw you off track. Yeah, yeah, just to throw you off track um, because they know it's one less person then that's potentially fishing in the pond that they are, and ultimately you've got info on their clients and stuff. And everyone's very protective of I work with this business, um, but actually, yeah, everyone knows that probably that business hires. So don't be scared to sort of yeah share that information. I think yeah, businesses just like to send those legal letters out uh, and churn them. And I've, I I know mates that set up businesses that have spent tens of thousands, and they're really, really, really worried about it to the extent where it's put them backwards. When actually, if you focus on the the sort of actual task in hand of growing your business, bringing in new clients, um, doing what you're good at, then leave the rest of it to to one side. If, if you don't have to go back to these legal letters unless it you've you've really done something wrong. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I think that's quite often the case. That, yeah, they'll say we need a reply by next Tuesday when actually that there isn't anything to reply to. Um, you don't have to go back and tell them <laughs> what what color underwear you're wearing and everything else. It, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's just managing and trying to keep a clear head. And I'd probably say just talk to someone that maybe it is good in business is good a good friend of yours you can actually just run it past that's not as emotionally involved because when you've got those emotions there and you know the people that are coming after you and you you think oh yeah i am working on the same patch and yeah there might be some crossover with clients you automatically think the worst when actually most of those businesses that you've worked with in the past they they didn't work with your old business they worked with you yeah, worked with you yeah yeah so regardless if you have to shelve them for six months they're still going to work with you for in six months time uh, and you just need to get a bit of a uh, almost sort of like a reality check from maybe a close friend or close sort of a mate or sort of family member who, who can tell you actually look you're good at what you're doing this is why you set up so yeah don't stress about this side of it um, and crack on with what you're doing and let's just be clear, this isn't legal advice from Wardy, right? But as we were saying, like, if you're listening to this right now and you know you haven't done anything wrong, that's the most important thing. Like, I think that's because I, I hear that a lot, right? So, so what, what I want to find out then, so Harry, in terms of like, so when I, I think I've said this to you numerous times, right? I think the name Digital Waffle is just class. I, I just think it's one of the best names out there. I, I think it's great. And I think if, if any, anyone listening to this right now was to go onto your website, look at your branding, I think it absolutely is unique. And I think it does, you don't think recruitment consultancy, you do have that sort of tech digital feel. So like, how intentional was it for you guys to invest a lot into marketing? And I guess how, how much has that impacted your recruitment business out of interest? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. And all I wanted to tell you about today is one of their recent really useful and valuable articles. So a lot of you right now are probably thinking, how can I tap into more talent pools? How can I get more relevant candidates showing up in my searches, whether that's on your CRM, LinkedIn, wherever it may be? Well, this is Sourcebreaker's world. So what they've recently done is published an article called The Power of Search, Five Ways You Can Improve Your Candidate Pool. 
So in this really short article, you will walk away with five practical ways that you can uncover and find talent that you're looking for that maybe might not show up if you're just using the the current ways of searching and what you're doing. I mean, what they've found from all of the surveys and data that they can look at is like 48% of searches typically contain errors. So if you want practical ways that you can uncover talent that you may be missing, click the link in the show notes, read the power of search, uh, get those tips, walk away with them, start using them, and let us know how you get on with those five tips and if you find some more people. Enjoy. I'll be honest with you, at, at the very start, mate, it was just a Wix website that I put together. So that? obviously, yeah, literally went, went to Wix, put a website together because we, we knew some people who set up their own business and businesses and within the first year, they still didn't have a website. And it was just like, when you work within the digital tech space, surely like the one, like thing you need is at least a website yeah yeah but uh yeah we're like with with digital waffle it's one of those things where funnily enough like the name actually came from a client really the the, the client basically turned around to me and said i hate it when recruiters just talk digital waffle to me because they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> yeah, and just fun. just just throwing out acronyms everywhere and i was just like it's pretty good to be fair and obviously kind of self-aware that we're doing it, I probably do it myself as well. But also at the same time, there's a bit of a piss take on the recruitment industry, really, because there's obviously there's so many companies called with first name, first name, last name, surname, surname, and it's just to stand yourself out against the crowd. Like if I, yeah, if the majority of the time, if we ever call into a company and we go, oh, it's digital waffle, not that we do a lot of BD anyway, or like sales school BD, they don't think directly of a recruitment company. And it's one of those things where we spoke to uh, our agency that built our website on a current platform. Like we explicitly said to them, we do not want this to look like a recruitment company's website at all. We want we want it to be a digital agency style website where it can be a bit more approachable. And ultimately, it, like, I don't know if, I'm sure Andy would agree, but like the amount of business we've had one off the back of just our website alone and people approaching us, I've I've never I've never seen it before the amount of business we've had before. Is it literally like I've come across you guys literally interesting? Can you have? Is it literally just those types of conversations and then coming through the website doing general inquiries, all of that, and they're just coming through that way? Yeah, just um, in I, 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 obviously I can't speak for other recruiting companies, but I don't think there's a lot of inbound business being won. Yeah, no way. Not as much. people want more of that, obviously, but. In terms yeah. of executing it, it's, it's yeah. difficult. There's like, let's say, a Shopify agency that we uh, says they're the best Shopify agency in the UK. If people want to build an e-commerce website, they'll naturally go and approach them and give them give them an inbound lead to work on. And and that's kind of where we want to be set up with our website and with our branding. That they go, okay, these guys kind of get us. That they're they're not super salesy. They're not they're not a bunch of suit like blue suits with brown shoes on. They they they're gonna they're gonna actually not the well, they're going to consult opposed to opposed to sell and that's that's the biggest thing really like when we when we work with clients like the amount of times over the past couple of years we like we don't have client we don't chase clients like clients fortunately come back to west i suppose it's one of those things where with that with that branding that we set up like it means it's we're approachable hopefully opposed to us bombarding them with content essentially so, so Andrew, on, on this conversation, and where where did you? So you got that right, and and I think you've executed that. Where where? Because I think there'll be people listening to this that do want to get more inbound business, that do want to invest more into marketing, but it can be a bit of a minefield, right? And you could end up spending money with companies and think, why the fuck did we do that? All of that. What what were some of the things that? What were some of the maybe mistakes you made along the way before you got to the point of what your branding and feel looks like now? I mean, talking about Harry's Wix website, I, honestly, I still I still love that website. I think like the initial <laughs> website we had, like right at the start, and like we're partnered with Hazar, they did our website now, and they've done a bloody good job. So I'm not not dissing our current website. That's, that's um, Harry, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Harry, it. yeah, yeah, nice. She's based in Birmingham, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's just based literally around the corner from us, and they came in, did such a good job of us. So, any mistakes up until you met Harriet then, or Hazar? Like, did you like, or not really? Not to like do anything bad against companies but where did you spend money maybe you think well maybe we didn't need to do that or i think we needed to get our jobs on our website early i think like that's that's one yeah. thing I'd, I'd probably say that obviously yeah harriet and the team have, have 
yeah, done a bloody good job of us now. But I think like for that first year, 18 months, we, we didn't have our jobs on our website um, because we, right, okay. we just, yeah, I mean, it cost us £10 and Twix to put together. So it's like, well, actually, yeah, you'd probably get what you pay for. So, but having, having your jobs on your website and actually getting them to go out to, yeah, Indeed and Google Jobs and everything else it, at the moment is just free leads, really. It's free advertising, it's free marketing, and it's free candidates sometimes. So, it just makes sense, and and you pay a lot of money for job boards and advertising and everything else. So if you if you're not using that tool, then it just doesn't doesn't add up. So that's probably something early doors w- that we should have got right. Apart from that, I d- the the actual marketing piece, like early doors, very very early doors, we we had some fun with it, and we like because of the yeah digital waffle, the name we we bought thousands of those street waffles um little street waffle um things that you've probably seen you put over really? a cup of tea and uh, and we sort of yeah we bought tons of labels off the internet vista print labels again cost a few quid and we were just like digital waffling them up and we'd just like chuck them out to clients and like we'd go to G- event. guerrilla marketing wasn't it basically yeah we'd go, we'd really? go to events and like put them on all the tables and stuff like that we hadn't paid for them yeah but obviously i'm assuming you never did stuff like this before so like did no, you just embrace exactly. it you just just failing forward willing to try different things definitely and i think like if you're getting your name out there like loads of our business comes from referrals like that's probably the bulk of our business but it's an easy name to remember and it is like if, you, if you're doing a yeah, good yeah. job and actually backing it up by yeah hopefully delivering then yeah that's the, the the one piece that you want like you say that anyone wants referrals anyone wants incoming business so yeah yeah on the on the yeah no, that's class on the on this topic then just because people always interested and I know we spoke about this before like and then and then let's talk about like the last 12 18 months what you've learned and and things like that but so clearly you got the marketing piece right which I I definitely I definitely agree with what other pieces of tech things have you invested in that you like couldn't live without as a recruitment business now do you think myself i'd say well <laughs> harry harry can talk about more of the tech setup when you come back to responsibilities um in the team uh, that you touched on earlier harry's definitely tech okay so, nice yeah, but um I mean, look, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Very early doors with, with yourselves, even with, with recruitment mentors. That's something I'd say it has worked well, mate, without sort of bigging you up too, too much because that's something that yeah, the guys have already got got, in, got like a hell of a lot of value from. Um, and we looked at, yeah, we were looking at sort of diff, bringing different um, L&D guys in and sort of trainers and everything else. And sometimes it's just... Yeah, it's a minefield, and I've worked with some really bad trainers before um, that just end up sending you to sleep. And I think if they're sending me to sleep, what can I expect? Like, yeah, junior that's trying to learn everything else coming out of it. So that's been good. But Harry, I don't know if you want to talk about more about yeah, Harry. Talk talk about tools, mate. That you couldn't live without yeah. if you're in the trenches doing deals that really help you. So, like from my point of view, Hisham, like automation is key, and yeah. the, the least like. You know how I've said around like uh, a lot about wanting to work for the company and like a lot of the what a lot of a lot of what other recruitment companies make you do is just all guff and it's all like bloated, like yeah, yeah, like the yeah, just yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Admin, like um, when we, when we first started, we got Broadbean, which we're still with now because we're not we we weren't. I've used Sourcebreaker. I wasn't a massive fan of it at the time. I like Broadbean's clean interface, very good tool, and then we also got. Bullhorn because we were both users of Bullhorn at the time, not because we were fans of it, but because we were like, oh, like we've got recruitment companies, so we kind of need a recruitment CRM. So the one thing I like really disliked about Bullhorn is just that it's not fit for purpose. It's a lot of bloatware. It's a uh, it, it makes it difficult for you to do your job because like it's slow, it's unresponsive, it will crash on you if you have multiple tabs open. So I was like, God, like. Even with GDPR coming in as well, like there's just so many minefields of keeping data and obviously going through those me- the, these tools. And like when you're looking at buying the tools as well, and the cost that comes with buying extra extra functionality um, from Bullhorn or from Vincherry or whoever it is, they just make it impossibly expensive to to go to go with them. So I actually looked at HubSpot and HubSpot Sales to be more specific, and just saw that. It's such like from an automation standpoint and from 
in fact, the fact that you can literally tell it to do something and then two, three weeks later, it's still working in the background for you and doing the job for you. It just makes you be able to get on with your job and finding finding candidates and f- speaking to clients in the back uh, whilst, whilst everything's going on in the background. Yeah, 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 so like for me, automation is key. Yeah, nice. Have you looked at, if you were big into your tech then, have you gone down the path of any of those tools that help you get like contact numbers and stuff? Have you had any success with that? Mahiba or Hunter, etc. Yeah, stuff like that. Everyone's got a free Hunter account where they get what, like 20, 23 a month? Free a month. Obviously, you've got like rocket reaches, rocket reaches, stuff like that. But we, we we actually haven't invested in those because we tend to find that after two or three attempts, you can kind of attempt someone's email because our sales approach is very is very is very um, email focused and email led. With the majority of tech teams now working fully remotely or partially remotely, it's a very easy gatekeeper um for, for them to go oh, they're working from home these days so yeah, yeah. The, 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 don't get me wrong the phone is not dead and the, the phone mm. like the phone is not an archaic piece of technology that you shouldn't look, be looking at when trying to do bd but obviously there's so as you know with linkedin the way you approach me on linkedin yourself yeah like there's so many better ways today of of doing these type of things yeah fair enough now thanks for sharing that so let's before we come to the end here right i just want to let let's just sort of hone in in the last 12 or so months obviously um as we were saying before this obviously if we were to be having this conversation this time last year i think everyone would have been like we need more jobs no one's hiring all of that type of conversation whereas now everyone seems to say yeah they've got jobs coming out there is and everyone's hiring salaries are crazy inflated counter offers are crazy at the moment like it's obviously there's loads of different challenges right so I guess, Andrew, what, what were some of the, the key things that you feel like you guys did as a business over the last 12 or so months that have really put you in good stead or maybe different things that you adapted or tried, um, if that's solutions, if that's services, if that's different things you tried with your teams that you think has really enabled you guys to be like in a strong position as you are now? Yeah, no, cool. I think... Like, yeah, I mean, 2020 was, if we look at our sales in Jan, Feb, March, just, yeah, record-breaking months. Like, it was, yeah, it was, like, due to be, like, a crazy year. March obviously hit. Everything hit a brick wall. We had a couple of things. Like, we we, we offer kind of a light RPO model um, where we've, we've had, we've now had a couple of guys on site with clients. And I think a lot of clients are, so keen to get internal resource at the moment because they see yeah like you say the the demand for candidates is higher than ever salaries going up recruitment fees going up everything else they want internal people thinking that's the answer um but actually you don't get all of the package that an agency offers um so uh, we've had a couple of people working on site and that work they worked all the way through um one of them worked all the way through 2020 uh, on site which was a really good yeah sort of continuous cash stream we then had we, we've got a good contractor book that continued through 2020 and then I, I guess the last piece was something one of harry's ideas which is a bit mad um when he first told me um but it was kind of around a payment solution for for permanent staff where rather than yeah a, a one up front a typical so, like yeah pay up front 30 days 40 days, 60 days or whatever exactly yeah you have your rebate of two months but ultimately after yeah after month two you're not getting a penny back and then especially for most of the businesses we work with our size smes like startups yeah, um, yeah. we we tend we do a few corporates but yeah they, they've got to be right um we don't really we steer clear of them mainly um yeah we, we prefer sort of uh, smes and startups and scale-ups um and yeah for those sorts of businesses when you yeah you're paying a 10 grand fee and then buggering off after two months it's not great so we were, we were offering slightly higher fees but yeah where they could spread the cost out over 12 months and pretty much have a 12 month uh, rebate so if they drop out after six months it stops uh, and that's it's gone down so well that's class so yeah so obviously you're you're helping the pain around financials but actually you're de-risking the use of your service and you're hopefully building yeah just giving them an even better service the fact that like yeah after two months you're not gonna you will be able to still speak to us and if it doesn't work out it can help and you're you're even more inclined then to really make sure that the person you're putting in there is the right bloody person because if they're not and they get spat back out in two months time you're gonna have to be back filling it right exactly yeah and it just I mean, it works both ways. And I think like clients really see it as a win-win for them because they're, yeah, it's yeah, class. They're not, they're not paying it. But we, we like to say to clients, well, look, 
all we ask for in return is, is look, if this person does leave after six months um, and you've got an honest need for that person, then yeah, look, keep, keep with us. Like we're offering you this uh, to hopefully get exclusive business back. So many startups have used it. And I think when we went into it in, yeah, 2020, we had like a good three or four dozen people on that sort of scheme. So it just meant yeah. it was another revenue stream that Recurrent continued revenue, to yeah. along. That's class. Harry, how many, because people listen to this and be like, Jesus Christ, how many, like, how many people have you had to like, for lack of a better term, like backfill or whatever? Because that, that would be immediate thing. People think of the cons, right? How many... How many people have you had to do that for out of interest, roughly? I'll be honest with you, Wardy's probably the better person to ask that. I okay. don't deal with it. I don't, I, I don't deal Wardy, with how many, how many do you reckon? Because I think that would be interesting for people, roughly. Would yeah, you say? I'd probably, it's probably as high as 20%, actually. Fair. Throughout that year um, that have dropped out. Um, maybe not quite that high, but yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, it probably is around that. Um, what I would say is most so of the 80% those, success rate. That's class. Yeah. Which has been good, but most of that twenty percent, you, I mean, some you ultimately, yeah, the client just doesn't. Not that they've taken the piss with it, but they they might ask, yeah, we we need someone permanently, and that actually only need them for two months, and then there isn't a need there right. after. Um, so they've yeah, pretty much paid. All right, so there's been there's been some learnings on that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, pretty much paid the six hundred quid for a hire, but it, it's kind of on the whole, it, it's done in good faith, and I think most of our clients have loved it because it just means it's massive for their cash flow if they're starting up and they need five people rather than paying fifty grand. They're really sort of managing that and spreading the cost out. So yeah, yeah. yeah probably say around sort of yeah the, the 20 percent mark but most of it we get to refill which is which is in a good position but but also caveat that we, we, we do charge more as well yeah so yeah, even even if they drop out after 10 months we would have got what we got what we would have earned yeah, yeah, what yeah. we from a from a stat from our normal model yeah yeah for sure so um as we come to the end here then so harry what how are you feeling about next year then in terms of just the landscape of recruitment out of interest because clearly you're someone that you you're you're keen to come up with ideas you're clearly thinking about how can we better solve the problems for our clients all of that like i don't know what from what from what you're seeing from the daily conversations you're having and, and what you've learned so far this year from a to get your real recruitment hat on in the trenches seeing what you're seeing what do you think is going to play out next year before we come to the end here that's on your mind do you think i don't know it's obviously that crystal ball question it depends what what happens with immigration uh, and with COVID and stuff like that. If if the doors open to, I was literally speaking to someone yesterday who who traditionally would hire uh, like fifty or sixty percent of their employees would be from Italy or Greece or Romania. So they'd be really solid developers coming in at forty k forty k a year, let's say. And it just depends if that flow of candidates comes back in going forward with that new points based system. If that doesn't happen, and if that those COVID restrictions still kind of are there i think we're going to be in the same position that we are now where it's going to be super super candidate short lots of clients require requiring cvs so yeah candidate-led market basically i i i probably will expect but at the same time if you can be that person who can act as a more as a candidate consultant and can get those one candidate five interviews then you're going to be in that right position really you've got you got to look at you got to look at business a bit differently rather than saying oh, I work with like I've got one account and that's that's my main account I'll do like twenty deals a year with them uh, and maybe like two or three deals with clients over the course of the year. You kind of have to look at it where maybe be a bit more of a spec and master where you can see this one person will fit five different roles. You're not working with those clients, but do your best to get them that interview and get your foot in the door because that may be that one time that you work with that company. But if you can get that candidate booked in with five interviews, boxed off and off the market within a week, then that's probably where you're going to get the most success from, in my mind. Interesting. And then, Andrew, what's on the horizon for Digital Waffle then? How are you, what, obviously you're at 11 people, you've built, obviously built this good brand, you've got different solutions going on, you're being innovative, willing to try different things, be creative. What, what's on the horizon for you guys then over the next couple of years? Yeah, mentally, we, we invested in an office, probably the, the peak of lockdown um, at the start. Did of the you? Year. Um, yeah, like rates were on their ass. So we were like, well, actually, this is a yeah, good Yeah, time yeah, yeah. Got a good deal. Business. Yeah, so we've got a really nice office space. We've put, put a bit of money in and actually done it up really nicely. Um, and we've probably got space in there for sort of 20, 25 people. We're only working two days a week in the office, three days remote, which the team really like. Uh, and we'll probably continue that for a while. But I think we... 
we, like I said before, we're not in any mad rush to to hire. We we want we want the right people. So um, I think if the right people come along, where they fit into the culture, they fit into that having that really good teamwork and actually working together and sort of being honest about their approach and helping each other, then yeah, we we take them on in the heartbeat. But yeah. I, in where I can see us going, definitely, like it's going to be a positive twelve months, one hundred percent. The market is is so good. If you're good at recruitment, then the market is great at the moment. Um, there's obviously challenges that you just spoke about, and you could, yeah, there's a whole list of what what might happen with that candidate short market. I think it's going to tighten and tighten and tighten. But if you're a good recruitment consultant at the moment, it is a really good market. So yeah, definitely growth, but. Whether that's in sort of exact headcount or not, maybe not. But yeah, I think the the figures will definitely be really positive. Yeah, that's class. Harry, anything you want to add that you're excited about? Any any new ideas that you've got bubbling away, mate? <laughs> it's always 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 <laughs> silly ideas. Uh, I, 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 pre- I preached the idea of crypto to Wardy just before it crashed. Um, oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, we we dodged a massive. What people paying for your recruitment services in crypto? No, uh, just. Uh, investments and uh oh, okay literally, yeah, yeah. Literally, literally but the day like we tried to invest and then the, the bank were like uh oh, what are you doing with this money and then so they, <laughs> they want they wanted to give us approval but we wanted to, and then literally the day after it crashed and we we're like Fuck, we dodged a bullet there because uh, yeah. if, if we if we invested in that day we would have been down by yeah a, a lot of money but no, but yeah like um for, from my point of view i was just i'm just excited because like every single hire we bring on i'm like Audi alluded to, to it earlier. Every single hire we bring on, it's not it's not out of like lust to it's, want to grow. It's not an ego it, thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 more of this guy is going to be really good for us. Uh, they're, they're the right person for us. Like the team we've got right now is epic. I lo- I, I, lo- I love every single one of them. The two guy the two guys that we've got com- um, joining in this month are going to be really good as well. They're obviously going to be working with you on the recruitment mentors platform as well. Obviously, nice. like upskill, upskilling themselves, but at the same time, like I think we're eighteen months behind. I think right now we're probably twelve months actually behind where we should be. We should probably have been here October 20, 2020 but because of obviously the pandemic, it's just kind of like stuttered our growth a bit. But yeah, if we can have a chat in a year's time and we're like sixteen, seventeen people, or fifty, like the same, be buzzing. I'll be yeah, I'll be over the moon, mate, over the moon. Yeah. That's class. Well, like genuinely, I think like, yeah, you guys have taken a very mature approach to, I love the way you're talking about head to hat count and the way you are, because I think sometimes a lot of owners can get caught up in that, right? And and learn the hard way. But uh, I really respect sort of you've been, I think you've been both been really smart, been willing to, to try different things, be creative. And uh, yeah, like really looking forward to seeing where you guys are on another year. I, th- I think it's only going to be in a, in a positive place. So yeah, massive thanks for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for, for coming on the show. No worries, Sean. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast